You ever stepped into Stevers on Park Avenue? So that's a yes, local yes, chocolate maker. Yes, 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 yes. Someone gave me someone gave me candy, uh, chocolate candies from Stevers this past weekend. And you like them, right? I, I mean, my wife hasn't given them to me. I gave them to <laughs> oh. my wife, and I haven't seen that's them. That's good chocolate. Is it? Okay, it's good chocolate. Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better. So together we can be a little better. Well, welcome to A Little Better. Great to have you here this week for really the Super Bowl of of our church calendar, uh, Easter. I hope you were able to join us uh, for Easter Sunday. It was incredible. Online, in person, Saturday night. Drew, you survived four services. I know how much you love three services, <laughs> and you did four and uh, st- still standing. So testament to your youth and strength and vigor. But uh, anyway, I know that people are here not to hear about that, but they're here to hear your sermon in 60. Yeah, I'm sure they're here for that. <laughs> um, I love this sermon. It, it's probably one of my favorite ones. I love the angle of Easter from Mary's perspective, because I think it gives us such a broad perspective of what Easter is and how it impacts our life. And so essentially, we looked at the story of Mary's resurrection in the sense of possessed by seven demons, but Jesus releases her from that bondage and gives her value and purpose and meaning. And that's really just a glimpse of what the resurrection can do in our life. It's, it breaks the the power of sin over us. It gives us freedom. It allows it to, it changes our life, not just for all of eternity, but right here and right now through hope and peace and joy and, and love. And so I just love this full picture of what Easter can do in your life through Mary's example and really through Jesus's resurrection. Yeah. I want to say thank you for keeping it fresh. I think if you were brand new, you know, to Easter or brand new to our church, that was an incredible message. But for people who've, you know, seen Easter all their, (laughs) I've been through a lot of Easter's and, uh, but to bring that fresh perspective, thank you. It was a way I hadn't seen it before and brought it home. Yeah. I mean, even to that behind the scenes for every preacher, if you know any pastors that teach regularly, the worst sermons to write are Easter and Christmas Mm -hmm. because they're so exhausted and you're constantly, the stories, you know, you can preach the same story over and over and it's still powerful, but you, you do your, your your hard work of like trying to figure out a, a, an angle to it. That's fresh. Cause right. You got a lot of new people, but you got a lot of people who, who've gone to Easter, even people who don't believe in Christ. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of them there who know the story of Easter. And so, uh, yeah, I, I don't necess- I love Easter, but I the prep work of a sermon on Easter and Christmas is yep. the hardest. Well, listen, we want to spend today talking, I'd like to talk about Israel. Okay. I'd like to talk more about the message. And sorry about giving our viewers, our listeners a little whiplash here, but I know that some people, hmm. before I forget it, let's take care of wrapping up Mountain Mover. Because yeah. I did say a couple weeks ago that it would be public, our campaign would be over, although people are still willing, uh, welcome to contribute for sure. But um, our campaign, we wanted to give everyone in our church, you know, a chance to go through Commitment Sunday. And so now, why don't you wrap up the news? There were some people we promised we, we would did. get to it. We did, yeah. So we ended the campaign at three point four million dollars, which is, man, it's just so awesome, so moving, mm-hmm. um, and just. It reminds me of like the privilege that we have as a church to come together and sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. And I love that our church is willing to do that. I Mm -hmm. love that we were just 
hungry for more of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. To grow better, to take the gospel to another location. Man, I'm, I'm just so proud. If you're listening, I'm just so proud of our church, and I'm thankful for the people who make up this church. Well, you talked about the challenges of talking about, you know, you know, doing a Christmas or Easter, um, much more landmines with talking about money. I mean, that's a challenge <laughs> that's for true. a preacher, too. But I just, every, you know... I'm new on staff. I just, that was my first campaign as a staff member, and it was amazing. Mm. As, from that perspective, I loved it. Everything that, everyone who pitched in all the contributions, uh, the way it came together, the enthusiasm, the generosity, you know, from the staff. And then I just, in community groups, I just heard people who were so blessed, you know, and challenged by this. And I praise God for the $3.4 yeah. million, but we both know we're just more blown away, more thankful for for the stories, the changes, yes. the challenges, the growth yep. in people's lives. Yeah. You know, those were incredible. I've just people enjoyed, and that just seems strange, you know, because capital campaigns can they can be stressful. But yeah. praise God, I just heard so many blessings, so much mm. enjoyment. So again, thank you for all our generous contributors. Yeah. This is a two year journey, yep. you know, of giving. We will yet see what God will do. Some That's people right. make commitments with great acts of faith. That's right for God providing that money. We look forward uh, to that happening. Yeah. So great. Thanks so much. Well, listen, I want to talk about Israel because I just think people who join the podcast here get a chance at the behind the scenes. Yeah. So a little bit about your experience in Israel. Um, When I was watching the video, I... Karen and I went to Israel in 2014. Yep. And we went to Magdala. And the amazing thing is, people might not know, I don't think you mentioned, was that was only discovered in 2009. Yeah. You can, well, I'll put it on the resources, but you can go to the website, magdala.org, I think it is, but we'll put it on the website where you can see the story. But I believe they were going to build a retreat center. You can't stick a shovel in the ground in Israel without getting an archaeological survey because you don't know what's under there. And they went in 2009, stuck a shovel in the ground, and then they found Magdala. I mean, that's Israel for you, right? That is every time I go back. So the last time I went to Israel was 2020, really 19 to 20. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, like, I mean, to 2023, it's changed tremendously, right? Mm -hmm. They're constantly finding um, new things, even at the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, which is very well known. It's Mm -hmm. the site of Jesus's uh, death and resurrection, or or the best site they believe. And Mm -hmm. man, we walked through it and they're like finding different things in there. And so we also saw like we last last Sunday, we talked about Jesus's arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane mm-hmm. into Caiaphas's house. And they just discovered the road that he probably walked on from the Garden of Gethsemane and the Kidron Valley down and up through up to where he sat in that jail cell that we saw. And it's just it's amazing. Yeah, it's interesting because for, you know, I've been a Christian a long time. I've, you, there's Comment, new commentaries keep getting updated with new evidence, yeah. you know, uh, for the veracity, the historical accuracy of the, the Gospels, the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament. And I just, you know, I think early on, I just kind of assumed, oh, they must have discovered everything they're going to discover. But it, <laughs> no. it, is, in, it is incredible. I'll, and you'll see story after story of, you know, some scholarly skepticism mm-hmm. about something in the Bible. And again and again, it's, there is a new evidence, discovery. Yep. Uh, I know that Paul in Corinth makes reference to some city leader, Yep. you know, and scholars were always skeptical about that. Like 
Paul was bragging. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe pulling to George Santos there. I don't know. But uh, they find, you know, then the inscription, mm-hmm. you know, you know, yeah. you know, for the man that Paul yeah. mentions. But there's story well, after story like that. Even like the words of Jesus, I, I think... Um, in his uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem, when they say Hosanna, he says, even if you don't praise me, the rocks will. Oh. And if you go to Israel, that means so much more because yes. it's like the, the, the things they dig up are rocks, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And what do they do? They cry out in evidence to God. And there are rocks everywhere, stones. I mean, all of Jerusalem is stone, right? And right. I think, you know, you think of rocks here and you're like, okay, boulders, like, what is he talking about? But like mm-hmm. part of the rocks, I think, is like the buildings and the evidence that people are going to find. They are crying out in testimony, in praise of Jesus. Yeah. And if you go to Israel, you'll find a very different experience. They're both great, you know, to be in old Jerusalem or to be like north in Galilee. Because yeah. in Jerusalem, you're going to see... I mean, I don't know how many feet. It's layers upon layers upon yeah. layers of history that have been built on top of. So they have to go down. But you go to Galilee, you know, in like Capernaum or yeah. uh, Magdala or these places, you know, that's not developed like no. Jerusalem. It no. just wasn't no. built upon. So it, I feel when I tour Galilee, like I'm much closer to the experience that Jesus had. Yeah, and I mean, like, you can even look at the, like, you're speaking of rocks, right? You can tell the different ages based off of the rocks that you see. You can just mm-hmm. tell the difference in the way they built. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had so many people, even just after Sunday, say, you know, like, tell me about Israel. And I just, I tell them, like, hey, <clears throat> I think every Christian, and I, I, I get it, it is, it's an expensive trip, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a trip that's worthwhile because you will read your Bible completely different. That's what Karen says over and over again, mm-hmm. black and white to color, you know, her Bible. Oh, that's a good, that's a good illustration. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and we hope to go back next year. We went nine years ago. So 10 years later, we hope to, hope to go back, but I, I, yeah. We in, might incredible. do uh, Ephesus next. So maybe our next onsite series, don't tell anybody this guys, if you listen, this is the inside scoop, right? <laughs> um, I think we might go, I've been to Ephesus once. It's an amazing <clears throat> city. Um, mm-hmm. So we might do the book of Ephesus. Or the book of Ephesians in Ephesus, right? Sure. Awesome. So um, through this series, I want to get to your message about the power of the resurrection. I just wanted to ask a question. In the past, I've said things like, what did you leave on the table? But I would like to, and if you want to share that, that's fine. But um, what, in this journey, you know, was there anything new for you in this series? Something that just, like, I hadn't really thought or looked at it that way before. I'm getting fresh angles, you know, that you're bringing. I just wondered what was, you know, kind of fresh or meaningful to you. Yeah, I think just diving into Mary's story, because if you read the Gospels, she's mentioned, but her story is so, um, it, you have to dig to understand it. You know, you can't just pick it up and- They did dig to understand it. They're very true. <laughs> well, well played, well played. But I, <clears throat> Mary is, I mean, she is the first person to know of the resurrection of Jesus. And so we should know we like that just drew me in of so many, just so many questions and just like how her story. And here you have a woman who literally lived at the beginning of her life, horrible life, right? Mm -hmm. Being possessed by seven demons. And I just love the picture that her story shows us of the power of Christ Mm -hmm. in present and in future. Yeah. Um, and so I really enjoyed learning more about Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm. What's hard about Mary's in the Bible, right? Even at the resurrection, so there were three of them there. There's <laughs> Mary from Bethany. And so like, even in the journey, I'm trying to figure out like, 
which one is Mary Magdalene, yeah. you know? And so I, I really thoroughly enjoyed learning more about her story. Well, we share that in common because thank you for bringing that. It was new to me also. And I think, again, the way you used it was, again, it's easy for me to think of Easter in almost cosmic terms, Yeah, right? We're talking about death being conquered. <laughs> We're talking about eternal life. We're talking about um, confidence that God will complete the story of history, mm. right? We've seen it, you know, his victory, you know, at, at, at the resurrection, you know, will ultimately be... So you think about these big cosmic things, and yes, um, I know when I die, I will spend eternity with him. But I think what you were bringing, you were bringing the power of the resurrection to the present. Yeah. You were bringing the power of the resurrection to the individual. Mm. And I was just... Thought I didn't know if there was. That's what I wrestle with. It's easy for me to believe with the, in the cosmic stuff almost more easily than God has a plan for me. Yeah, you know why would He bother? I'm I'm a speck, hmm. you know, you know, in the whole story. And I, honestly, I think one of the one of the greatest evidences to the resurrection of Jesus is how it changes my life now. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe sometimes we as Christians and I'm me like mm -hmm. I don't give people the proper evidence in my life of how Christ has resurrected me, right? I, I, I want us to think about some of the scriptures. When, when I experience the resurrection, so that's salvation, right? You being saved, placing your faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible says the old is gone mm -hmm. and the new has come, yeah. okay? If you look at Mary's life, that is so evident, right? Mm -hmm. Possessed by seven demons, erratic, crazy woman, changed now mm -hmm. following and giving hope to people. I want that to be true about my life here on earth, right? Mm -hmm. We often talk about the resurrection of Jesus and what it gives us heaven, right? You get mm -hmm. to go to heaven, but for people who don't believe it yet, that just feels like a distant fantasy, mm -hmm. but to say, no, listen, the resurrection has changed my life. Let me show you how it's changed my life and the areas it's changed my life. And I still got a long way to go, but you can't deny it because I've walked in it, right? Well, and that's why the gospel spread, right? That's yeah. why the church grew was because people saw individuals for whom there was no other explanation than the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Paul, right? right? Oh, Paul, <laughs> you, know, you know, all the apostles, so, you know, so who were scared stories. bunnies yes. fleeing from the cross, right? Who are willing to become martyrs, you know, yeah. uh, you know, for this. But just the changes, so many, like, read the book of Acts, you know, it was life change after life change. And that, yeah, you're right. The reality of the resurrection in the present. Yeah, and I think that's the challenge for me and my life and for so many Christ followers. Do people see the power of the resurrection in you right now? Mm -hmm. You know, do they see the evidence? And, and and that's a hard like that's a hard thing to wrestle through, but like mm -hmm. I want people to know, man, that there there is something different about Drew. I play basketball with a bunch of guys, and one of the the greatest compliments I've gotten from those guys is they they'll say, "Drew, you you speak differently than you know." Because I play with a bunch of lost guys, and so mm -hmm. when they miss a shot, they're they're saying things different than I am, and that's a small <laughs> example, but that's the power of the resurrection of God in me. Of like, He's transformed the way I speak and the words that I will say. He's there's so many areas of my life that He's still transforming, and I mm -hmm. want people to notice that yeah. power of God in me. 
Yeah, I think what people also sense is a genuine love from others that flows from Jesus through us yeah. to others. And part of that is like other people are looking for love, right? They're looking for acceptance. They're yeah. looking for affirmation. They're looking for purpose. But all those things are already taken care of mm. us, you know, in Christ. So we can engage with less anxiety, less neediness, with more genuine concern, you know, and an overflow that we share with others. Yeah, and I wonder, would it be too strong to say that when we as Christians forget our purpose, at some level, it's like we're denying the resurrection? I think that's, I think, I, I will admit that's true. This is what I wrestle with in my own life, right? In terms of, it's, it's easy to, we need to affirm how supernatural the transformation is for a Christian who genuinely comes you know, to Christ. Yeah. We use the word regeneration, right? Yep. It's basically like you were, the Holy Spirit makes us alive. We mm. were dead, yep. made alive, and that manifests in this faith yep. and embracing you know, of Jesus. And it's easy for me to think, I mean... You know, you plan services, you want to, um, you know, you know, connect with people, relate to people, be relevant, you know, all of that, you know, is important, but it's not just because we created the right mood in the room. <laughs> right. Now, there only might be some people for whom that's true, right? It was yeah, just sure. like they, they were moved emotionally and then there's no evidence later yeah. of a genuine change in life. It's like, okay, we get it. You know, they want for whatever reason, but to believe there is something supernatural, mm -hmm. completely beyond our power yeah. that happens where someone is born again. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, look at let's that term born again. I love it because it actually leads to week three of the series. Okay. Um, I'll give you a small window into what's coming. We're going to do the story of Nicodemus and Jesus looks at him and he, he Nicodemus is confused by those words. Mm -hmm. He's like, you have to be born again. Jesus tells him, he's like, wait, what does it mean like to be born again? Like I have to go back into my mother's womb. And, but that's the picture of the resurrection power. Like you are literally becoming a new person. It's mm -hmm. like you are born again. And what comes out is different than the who you were, right? The old is gone and the new has come. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has to be so challenging for us as Christians. Because if we look at our lives, and we're still sinners, so right, we don't always get it perfect. Like first week, when you mess up, when you fail running the race, mm -hmm. God's grace covers you. But mm -hmm. it's so challenging to me to be like, am I a new person? Mm -hmm. And am I still becoming a new person? Mm -hmm. And is my life strong evidence of God's resurrection power? Yeah, I mean, talk about that from the perspective of a preacher. I mean, you step in there, there's a craft to yeah. what you do, right? I mean, you're going to <laughs> you're going to learn, you know, how to speak, what's effective, how to structure a sermon, all of that. There's a there's a natural part of it, but you step in. It's a supernatural experience to preach the word of God. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. It's emotional. It's physical. It's mental. And mm -hmm. I, I, when I preach, I, you know the first place I'm trying to move is my own heart. Mm -hmm. I always say, if I can't move my own heart, how do I expect to move other people's hearts? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm, you know, again, I'm a tool, a vessel. God's the one moving hearts, right? Mm -hmm. Not me, but I just get to play an awesome part in it. Mm -hmm. But if my heart is not moved by a message, it's usually a good indication that I need some work before I ever preach this. I need to work on my own, my own sloppy, sinful heart. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I've just been really challenged by Mm -hmm. Mary's story and her example. And mm -hmm. 
I want my life to be that. I yeah. want people to look and be like, yo, Drew is different. Right. What is that difference? That's the power of the resurrection in me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's bring it back to, again, um, just what about, <laughs> again, I know you were, we were talking before uh, the podcast about how Jesus changed his lives. Any encouragement, advice, counsel for those for whom the story is very old, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe they're just not experiencing it right now. You're talking about the, the a Christ follower? A, a Christ follower. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say one of the greatest things Easter should do in my heart and your heart is just uh, lead us to a posture of gratefulness and thanksgiving, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we often wait till November or, you know, yeah, Thanksgiving's in November to be thankful. But Easter, if we don't have Easter, we don't have anything to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the posture, even um, in our pre-preach, which was Thursday, um, Michelle said, hey, when you when you close your prayer, I think a great posture would be thanksgiving, right? Mm-hmm. Gratefulness. And I, I think when you recognize what Jesus freed you from, through his resurrection, man, it just opens your heart to this posture of, wow, God, I don't even realize the depths mm-hmm. of my slavery and the depths of my sin, and you set me free from that. Yeah. And so I just think as a person who might be numb to Easter, like you got to go back to when you were Mary and possessed by seven demons, mm-hmm. right? Obviously our story is different than that. I'm not saying we were possessed by demons, but technically we were master. The slave was our, ma- our sin was our master. They were dead. We were powerless. Dead. There yes. was, you know, this is all God's grace. Yeah. So, um, I want to, I hope it's not too redundant. I just want, I'm only thinking, Thinking of week to week, I think of the podcast. You know, we have a lot of you know, you know, mature believers, insiders, people who want to see, you know, behind the scenes. But it's possible because we had so many people on Easter who have not been here before, and people who for whom the gospel was brand new. And yeah. then maybe they said, "Oh, let me let let's ch-, you know, <laughs> they're they're all in. <laughs> they're looking for resources. They're on the yeah. website. They see our podcast or whatever." But for someone. Can we just say again, clearly, shortly, what the gospel is? Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, that, that's a message I'll never get tired of telling mm-hmm. people, even Christians. We need to be reminded of it uh, consistently. The gospel is really simple. It's you're a sinner, right? You're born into sin, and that sin has broken everything. It leads to destruction, and there's nothing you can do to solve it, right? Mm-hmm. You're headed on a path of death, not just like normal death, but like eternal death. And the amazing part about the gospel is God loved you enough Mm -hmm. to give up his one and only son to die on a cross, which pays the penalty of your sin. Mm -hmm. And through his resurrection, three days later, he rose again to give you victory over it. Mm -hmm. And so through your belief, your confession with your mouth and your belief in your heart in Jesus's cross and resurrection, the Bible says you'll be saved. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is through your belief it leads you to a different path. So rather than a path of destruction, God leads you to a path that leads to paradise with him forever Mm -hmm. and ever. And how sweet is that, man? Mm -hmm. Well, listen, uh, absolutely. We will never get tired of telling that story. And whether you heard that for the first time or the hundredth time, we're so glad you're here. We hope you hang in with us. We've got a few more weeks in Israel. We look forward to seeing you again next week.